Hello, my friends. This is life coach Mike Chargman, and welcome to an episode of Mike's Search for Meaning. I'm after some big questions. Why are we here? What makes a fulfilling life? How can we grow individually and collectively? Each episode, I'll dive deep with leaders who are doing great work in the world and see how they organize their life. Books read, value systems, resources used, and stories that show how each of you can create the life and the world of your dreams. On today's episode of Mike's Search for Meaning, my guest is Machen McDonald. Machen is a business and leadership coach and the founder of Pro Brilliance. He is a number one best-selling author and creator of the highly successful Power of Coaching book series. He's a certified master coach, and he lives in Northern California with his wife of almost 30 years and their three children. In this conversation, Machen and I explore the work that we do with our clients. And I think this is really applicable for everyone because all of us want to live life fully. At the end of the day, we want to experience the most aliveness, the most joy, the most passion, the most purpose possible. And what I love about Machen's work is that even though he's a business coach and you would think a business coach is simply helping you generate more leads, generate more revenue, have better external outcomes, Machen is so thoughtful about the inner work. And long-term, it's all about the way that you're showing up in your inner life and mastering your inner game. Machen reflects a lot on the work of the Stoics. He's a student of Stoic philosophy And he references all sorts of useful frameworks like Joseph Campbell's The Hero's Journey. And what he really does is takes everyone that's in his orbit on their own hero's journey. He provokes their brilliance and helps them get to the core of who are you really? What do you really want in your life? What is your purpose? What is your mission? And as a coach, it's just his job to extract that out. It's not... I think people have a misconception that coaching is about strategy and about problem solving and fixing things that are broken. And that's more of a consultative approach. Coaching is really just about asking the questions that help you get clear on what it is that you really want and then putting the pieces together to make it happen. So this conversation is an exploration of all of that. And I trust that at the end of the conversation, you'll come away with a better idea of how you can cultivate more purpose in your life, how you can have the mindset to achieve the life that you truly deeply desire. And that's why Machen has become a really good friend and mentor of mine. Settle in, take a deep breath. And enjoy what Machen has for us today. Machen, welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you, Michael. I'm really excited to dive into all the different acronyms, and I want you to teach me how my brain works and how I can work with my limiting beliefs, and I want to dive into psychology, and I want to go to all the different places with you. But before we go there, I want to start with the same question I start with with all my guests. What was it like at your dinner table growing up? Great question. Which dinner table are you referring? The one with my dad and my grandparents or the one with my mom? 
I grew I, up in two different households. Let's hear both. Yeah. Yeah. So um, the one growing up with my mom was probably the dinner table was more of a TV tray. While I was in the living room watching TV, eating some dinner, and she was off somewhere else. <laughs> um, not in a bad way, uh, just that's kind of was what it was. And on the flip side, if I was visiting my father, who lived right next door to my grandparents, it was usually a, a more of a, a nuclear family type of setting. Um, you know, my, my dad, my stepmom, both my grandparents, and... Um, it was fun, you know. It's it's kind of what I craved actually, because I didn't have that much of it. It was only on occasional weekends and sometimes during the summer. When you were little, did you have an idea of what you wanted to be when you grew up? Did you have ways of being that were more accepted by your parents and that you have come to be strengths of yours now? And like, well, yeah, what was it? What was it like as young matron? Well, when I was little, I wanted to grow up to be a life and business coach. <laughs> no, actually, when I was younger, I, I actually wanted to, uh, I wanted to be a race car driver. Um, I had a go-kart at an early age. I always built coasters, you know, those wooden carts. Um, that was kind of my thing growing up. We lived near a hill that we could, we could coast down. Um, and then I remember I was nine years old and I got motorized go-kart for Christmas one year and it was like I wanted to do that and where I grew up with my dad he was there was a, a sprint car racetrack a dirt track that he'd take me to um, you know so we watched the races and I just kind of had the bug and wanted to do that but circumstances never really lent themselves to me um, getting into that uh, into that game but I'm a big fan of, of racing, whether it's NASCAR, Formula One, or Indy. Mm -hmm. And I'll, I'll fast forward pretty quickly. So, I mean, you joked that you wanted to be a life and business coach when you were growing up. Yeah. And uh, I mean, your wish came true. Your joking wish came true, at least. Yeah. I'm sure that in different times of your life, you were still or maybe most of your life, not just different times of your life, you were probably always curious about why people operate a certain way. And yeah, you know, like, why are we the way that we are? And I'm curious how that we can, it doesn't, we don't need to spend a lot of time in like childhood versus adolescence versus college, but like, how has that been? Yeah, informative of the way that you move through the world and how does it, then we could jump into like your current coaching practice and philosophies and beliefs and all that. Sure. Well, there were, there were two kind of, uh, I'll call them milestones for lack of a better term. My parents divorced, actually annulled um, when I was born and they, they were good friends, but they couldn't, you know, marriage just didn't work for them. And so uh, they were both alcoholics, not, not a physically abusive in any way to me. They were fairly functional alcoholics, um, yet, but they were, they were trying to live a better life through me. So everything I did wasn't good enough. It's like, you know, you got to do this, you got to do that. And um, the, the challenge for me at an early age was... There was kind of a, like a Jekyll and Hyde thing going on for each of them. And, you know, each day I was with 
them, I didn't know who I was going to get. You know, was it going to be real sweet, loving, adoring mom or mom that, you know, was having a rough night and, you know, didn't want to be woken up until three in the afternoon the next day, you know, and the little kids bouncing around the house, um, you know, created some, some tension. So f for that, for having those types of parents, um, you know, at a very early age, I basically had to raise myself and also figure out, you know, what makes people tick. You know, why are they this way one day and that way another day? And so I just, not knowing back then, but it, it just was my way of surviving that I kind of paid attention to that. And then, you know, there were other um, adults in my life um, that I was kind of like, you know, wow, that's that's interesting behavior, you know. And, um, you know, some functional, some not so functional. And then just even even with my own peers, you know, kids that I grew up with, it's like, um, it was an interesting thing. Like one day they were super nice and great to be with. And the next day it's like, what the heck happened? You know, they just became unhinged. And I'm like, you know, as a little kid, I'm thinking first, like, you know, what did I do? And I'm recognizing it's not me. <laughs> you know, these people are just, you know, they're, they're living their life and, um, you know, we're interacting and it was just like, it, it just really got my attention of how to pay attention to how people operate. Um, and then the other big factor for me was actually in high school, my dad's best, or excuse me, my, my best friend's dad retired at a very early age, retired at about 45. He was a successful financial advisor. And um, he just had this ability to be able to connect with anybody and understand people very quickly and he was full of great wisdom great sage advice and you know he just got my attention it was like you know i want to be like him when i grow up mm. it's kind of the thing you know it's like because i could connect to people well but he just had this this over-the-top ability and so i paid attention to what he did how he did it and he even had some conversations, I remember, till late in the morning, you know, two in the morning of talking to him and letting him, you know, kind of be my mentor and, and sharing with me what to look for, watch for, and, and contribute. Yeah, and, and then I actually followed his footsteps getting into financial planning. And a lot of the training that I got from the companies I was with was brilliant because it's, it's sales, you know, so it's the whole sales psychology of it, and I just became a student of it. Um, actually, got tapped on the shoulder in the organization that I was associated with to be part of their marketing and, and sales training, um, just because I was such a student of it. And I think everything's sales, given the definition of sales, is the transfer of enthusiasm. Mm. So, yeah, that's that's got me to where I am. And then, then I learned what coaching was and wasn't. You know, I thought I was a coach because I could tell people what to do. <laughs> but then um, I actually got certified as a life coach and then as a strategic business coach. And, you know, as you know, Michael, coaching is all Socratic. It's all about the questions. So yeah. I learned, okay, I got to learn to ask better questions. And I was pretty good at it, but getting certified took me to a whole not have the, I, I get paid to not have the answers, right? The answers are in the moment. I don't have the answers. Yeah. 
Well, before we get into that, I you, you mentioned that your friend's dad became a mentor of sorts and you had sounds like really long conversations where he was giving you sage advice and wisdom. Yeah. Are there any, are there like one or two things that stand out as the most important lessons that he taught you or think, things that you're still carrying with you today? Can I swear? <laughs> yes. <laughs> one thing he always used to say is if you fuck with the bulls, you're going to get the horns. <laughs> um, another thing that he used to say is believe none of what you hear and half of what you read or see. And as simple as that is, it, it's amazing to me how that shows up. And, and here's what I mean. Even like in, in the world that we're kind of in with, with a lot of divisiveness, the divisiveness, in my opinion, comes from people putting way too much weight on the propaganda, you know, the stuff that they see that is, is somebody else's agenda in some way, shape or form. And, and not really looking at, you know, what could the other facets or elements of a situation be? And then the same thing with, you know, the, the believe none of what you hear, you know, unless you hear it straight from the horse's mouth, so to say, you know, secondhand, thirdhand, or, or spun in a certain way, you know, if, if we're letting that guide, if we're letting that narrative guide our experience in the world, wish you well. <laughs> it's going to be a pretty crazy existence. Um, and then the other big piece that he shared with me was, you know, own your power. You mm. know, uh, it goes, and, and he was, he was uh, Jewish, um, you know, so very sensitive to the Holocaust and, and concentration camps. And one book that he shared with me at a very early age was Viktor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning. You know, and it's in that gap, you know, whether it's Nietzsche or whoever, even going all the way back to, you know, Epictetus and Seneca, you know, the, the great Stoics, they talked about there's a stimulus out here in the world, you know, somebody says something or does something, and then there's this little gap, you know, a nanosecond of a gap that we have, and then there's our response to what's going on out there. And that gap is where all of our power is, right? It's the meaning we assign to the stimulus that's out there. And most people don't recognize that they have control over that gap. That's their power. They think the gap doesn't exist and it's just this out here causes me to feel this in here. And, you know, I got that at a very early age, thank goodness. Um, and it's, it's allowed me to recognize a lot of people don't have that awareness so that's a lot of my coaching is just helping people really slow down that nanosecond of a gap and redefine what the meaning is that's going to help you flourish in your life and in your business mm -hmm. i believe we make it up anyway right well we do we make we make all this shit up i believe that you I want to get into like all the different acronyms that you use mm. you've mentioned awareness is that the first of the six A's and is that usually where you start with your clients when you're coaching them yeah so I'll give you one acronym that precedes that and that's the gym G-Y-M mm -hmm. 
So what I really focus on is helping people guide your mind, G-Y-M. Right? Don't let somebody else guide it for you. Don't uh, believe what you read or hear. You know, think for yourself. Great minds think alike, but great minds also think for themselves. So it's guide your mind in every moment. If, if life's not feeling good, ask yourself, what do I want? Guide our mind in that way rather than, you know, this sucks, that sucks, they did this, they didn't do that, and give our power away. Ask the question, what do I want right now? What do I need to believe is true about me, about the world, about the people in it, about the situation or circumstance? Because, you know, bottom line, we can't control the situation or circumstance that we may find ourselves in. You know, life, life happens and life can be tough, right? But we always have the power to choose the healthiest perspective from which to operate. And that's what I mean by guide your mind. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so part of that are the, the A's. Um, depends which week you talk to me. It's either four A's, five A's, eight A's. But, you know, <laughs> the first part of, of change is having an awareness, right? Knowing what we want and what we don't want. And oftentimes, you know, as you know, as a coach, probably when you ask people, hey, what do you want? They're like, uh, and they start to tell you all the things they don't want. Right. So it's through that contrast and it's the awareness is the piece of helping them understand the contrast of what they're not wanting um, to what they want. So it's get the awareness of what needs to improve or change. And then once we've got clarity around that, then it's a matter of attitude. And what I mean by attitude is really the approach or the angle from how we're going to look at this. You know, am I going to look at it from a victim? You know, I can't do anything about it. Or am I going to look at it from somebody that's empowered and, you know, um, sees obstacles as the way, right? Obstacles make me stronger. You know, one of the, the, the Navy SEALs, it's popular right now with their books and their training is uh, Yako Wilnick. And, you know, when when shit hits the fan, he's been programmed over the years. He's programmed himself to say, good. You know, it's like, bring it on, right? And, and it makes him stronger and he figures ways out to handle the obstacles. And so I think that's, that's a great way to be is to have that attitude, that approach or that angle of like, you know, when stuff doesn't go according to plan, it's like this is a great opportunity to learn, grow, and become even better, mm-hmm. right? Rather than going, oh, crap, why does this always happen to me? You know, and I used to fall into that that stage, and sometimes I will fall down that well. I don't stay there very long, but, you know, it's part of the human experience. So that's the attitude. Um, the next piece is, is um, action, right? It's like okay, I'm aware of what I want, what I don't want. I've got the right attitude. What's my action here? What am I going to do? You know, there's a, there's a great, um, another acronym. It's not mine, but it's called WOOP, W-O-O-P, which is what's my wish? What's the outcome that I want? What's the obstacle? And what's the plan, right? And if we approach that WOOP process to every little hiccup that we have it's amazing how we can make so much more progress and that's that's sometimes the challenge when people are looking 
to affect change or to achieve a goal is they go straight to the wish or the outcome and they visualize and they do all this good stuff, but they don't look at what the obstacles are. Mm. When those first obstacles come up, they're, they're devastated. You know, it's like Mike Tyson used to say, everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So let's, let's anticipate the punch in the mouth, right? There's going to be a few of them. Mm-hmm. And if we know how to slip it or, or move it or counter it before it happens or while it's happening, we're going to have what we need to keep on keeping on. Mm-hmm. And then the, the, the next A that I like in this process is simply accountability, Right, which is a conditioning process. It's like, okay, you know, here's my attitude, here's the action I'm gonna take. How did I do? Can I celebrate? Do I need to calibrate? Right. And just that ongoing accountability. Mm-hmm. In the very beginning, you brought up the question of what do you want? Yeah. And in my experience, I'll share a personal reflection and then I want to hear how it shows up in work with your clients because when I started working with my current coach about a year ago, my basic number one goal was I, I'm already coaching folks. I experienced myself as being pretty good at it. And I want to do this for a full-time living. This is, this is what I want. And we spent a lot of time on that. Like, well, why do you want that? Or why is that important to you? Mm -hmm. And one of the realizations that I've come to in the wish for what do I really want or like what need am I fulfilling in my life would be another way to get to that is this desire for intimacy and for uh, feeling the most aliveness possible, Mm -hmm. the connection. Those are all words that have strong weight for me. And this profound realization that I had around what do I want is that it's, it's available in a lot of other avenues besides my profession. I don't need to coach folks to have what I want necessarily. Mm-hmm. And when I started working with him, there were probably, I can't pinpoint exactly, but there were probably moments where I was very frustrated. Like we're not, we're not moving forward in a way that seems productive to me. Mm-hmm. And the, the question, and well, before I get there, actually, I'm really grateful now that we focused so much on that because I can still get lost in the goal of like, I just want to coach full time. And what, what I'm really needing is just connection usually, or Mm -hmm. some sort of intimacy. When you focus with your clients on what they want as, as the coach, how do you know that they've actually landed on something that they do want? Like how, how do you guide them into really connecting to what it is that they actually want and maybe not just what they think they want. So I just want to acknowledge something that you started with at the beginning with regards to your belief about being a good coach yourself. Uh I just want to acknowledge, you know, that you and I have coached each other and I, I have coaches. I've hired tons of coaches in the past. You are a rockin' coach. (laughs) I mean, I just, I, I, want to put that out there and I want you to really just know that from the bottom of my heart, I, my heart, I mean that. Um, yeah. So for, for me, it's interesting, you know, in, in coaching, the, the saying is we coach what we need to learn most, right? <laughs> um, and 
what you know my I call it permission you know and it's per is short for purpose right so it's my purposeful mission is to provoke brilliance and what I mean by provoking brilliance is to draw forth someone's light right because I, I believe that the purpose of life is to flourish whether you're going old school back to the Stoics or new positive psychology you know, back in the Stoics day, the word was eudaimonic, right? Which is means flourishing, right? Which is what the word is they use now. And so I'm always looking, how can I flourish? And how can I help somebody else flourish? Now, with that being said, we're all going to have a different definition and criteria of what flourishing is. So that's a question that I might ask somebody, you know, is like, give them a little background around that word and then I said you know for you you know flourish means different things to different people what does it mean for you and they'll share with me what that is you know on different levels whether it's their health their family their work whatever it might be and it, it falls into three primary buckets right it's it's our energy you know if we don't have energy we can't do much um, our work we're here for a reason and our our connection to your point right the, the the love so you know i kind of look at it as zest work and love you know and i have people comment on that so what's flourishing in those areas for you and they share that with me and i'm taking all kinds of notes and listening for things keywords energy you know with zoom and everything or if i'm with them personally which is starting to come back I'm just big in noticing the energy, you know, where do they light up and get excited and, and start talking faster and da, da 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 you know, and where are they like kind of lost and low energy, you know, so there's all kinds of indicators around us, you know, we just got to pay attention to that. And then from there, it's like, okay, now I've got a sense of their recipe for feeling alive and I can help them in that conversation when they're up against something energy is waning, I can kind of help them redirect it. Not sure if that answers your question or not, but no, it does. It does. But I, I do want to push a little bit on. I think that especially as a business coach, I am, I'm making up the story that people are coming to you and they are really eager to have results right away. And they, they might get frustrated with the amount of time that they're spending on you know, connection to their energy or things that might seem a little airy-fairy to someone who's just like trying to get results. Is, is this something that, is this one of the obstacles that your clients run into sometimes? Or do they tend to, I don't know, connect with the energy that you're giving and, and they don't push back necessarily? You're right about them wanting some results fairly quickly. Mm -hmm. And I do believe if somebody's hired me for to help them grow their business, we do need to find some quick paths to getting some points on the board. right? And that's fairly easy to do. I've got a, a whole system where I can run a business through this process that we have and there's about 40 different 
elements that they can come up with that they can easily implement and triple their lead generation, double their sales, find an additional $100,000 of missed revenue opportunities that they're stepping by every single day. So that's never been a problem to help people make more money, you know, within the first month of coaching with us. Um, so th there's that aspect of it, but then there's the longer term play, right? We help them build out what we call their business acceleration plan. And it's based upon a three to five year vision of where they want to get to with their business. And so the way that I kind of coin it is we help optimize their mindset to bring their A game on their hero's journey of business, you know. And my clients and the people that tend to be attracted to the work that I do and vice versa, they, they understand that. They have a sense of they're here for a, a bigger reason, right? And they've had kind of this calling, but they're not quite sure. And they need some guidance, right? They need that Sherpa or that mentor. And I say this, you know, respectfully, but it's like, you know, they, they need the Obi-Wan or the Yoda, you know, not to go fight their battle because they're the hero of their own journey, but they, they need somebody to help them, you know, tap into their own power. And so it's a matter of, of that aspect of it, you know, turning up their mojo. And they're already successful, right? Most Everybody that I coach, they're already successful. And they've been camping out a little bit on their success. And now it's ready to kind of take things to another level. Or sometimes, you know, get ready to sell this business and start another business that they've got a passion for. But they've been resting on their success so long on this plateau that their mojo or their confidence kind of goes away and they don't have what they feel they need for the next climb. And so that's what we get to wake up is the mojo, if you will, to get excited and get the clarity. Because there's, there's a formula for motivation, right? Which is motivation equals the value times the expectancy over the the delay times the, um, the impulsivity of things, right? It's like, you know, I don't feel like working out right now. I'd rather roll over in bed, right? That's mm -hmm. impulsive. We can't let that take over. And so, you know, if you're ever, if your mojo is ever going away, use that formula and then just look at those, those factors and add to it or take away from it to increase the motivation. Well, one of the most important aspects of being a coach, I think, is is guiding clients to their own inner wisdom, especially around perceived obstacles in their yeah. life. And when we when we confront obstacles, at least our own obstacles, usually what I've heard you call saboteurs pop mm -hmm. up. Mm -hmm. And I'd be curious to hear both from your experience, like when you encounter obstacles that are activating or triggering for you, what are your most present saboteurs or just maybe destructive at times ways that you start acting or doing things? And how do you catch yourself and kind of course correct? And then with clients also, it's like, how do you help them 
notice, befriend, all the all the different things that are important to do with these like gremlins in our head or whatever you want to call them, these mm-hmm. kind of neg- the negative chatter. Yeah, so we all have ANTS, A-N-T-S, automatic negative thoughts. And it's, it's just part of human nature. It's primal. It's what keeps us alive. It's not going anywhere. We just have to know how to, you know, when the ant crawls on us, we got to know how to flick it off, right? And recognize we are not the ants. You know, we have ants, but we're not our ants. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so the different saboteurs or gremlins or automatic negative thoughts that we have are going to be different for everybody. And there's actually a great assessment that you can take. Actually, if you go to my website at probrilliance.com forward slash PQ, um, there's an assessment there that you can take for free. And it's basically just a direct link. I can't remember the, the real link, but go there. You'll take the assessment and then it ranks the different, um, they call them saboteurs that you have. And some of them are the avoider right? Mine happened, my, my primary one is the hyperachiever, right? And that came from me growing up with the two alcoholic parents that I shared with you where I couldn't seem to do anything good enough, right? So I was always doing better and better and better, you know? <laughs> and yet it was never good enough. So that, that can drive me, I won't say drive me into the ground, but it, it, it can, you know, wear me out. So that's the one I've got to pay attention to is like recognizing in every moment, I am good enough. I am doing enough, you know? And it's like, most people look at what I've accomplished and they're like, yeah, I'd, I'd say you're doing good enough. <laughs> you know, <laughs> written a few books, have a pretty thriving business. You know, I'm celebrating my 30th year of marriage in June, you know, three kids, none of them are wearing orange jumpsuits. So, you know, <laughs> health is good. You know, uh, at my age, I'm, you know, still working out and having fun on the slopes and, and so forth. So, you know, and I don't say that to impress people. It's just to, to say that, you know, whatever the saboteur is, we can use it, learn to use it in a way that works for us rather than against us. It's either contributing to our success or it's contaminating our success. Mm-hmm. So we have to be mindful of, of how it shows up. And by the way, the assessment, if you go take it, 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 gives you some narrative as to what to look for and what some some antidotes are for the various types of uh, saboteurs. Yeah, I'll link to both in uh, the show notes. It's PQ is positive intelligence. And right. there's I think there's nine different saboteurs. My it's funny that you named the avoider. Avoider is my number one saboteur. I've taken the assessment as well. Okay. And we all have them, right? So there's I think one of the one of the bits about awareness is just noticing that we all have saboteurs and that we're not fundamentally flawed for having that. Like sometimes I can find myself buried in the story that well, Tony Robbins doesn't have saboteurs or someone else I might look up to, like these these people that are out there achieving big things or that look like they have life figured out. All of us are constantly learning, growing, uh, experiencing life in, in a similar way at times. And just, it's not that they go away. It's just like you said, that we kind of befriend them and it's not, not even necessarily just getting used to them, but we, we don't have to fully identify with these different beliefs that we have. 
we yeah. could choose to move through the world a different way. Yeah. And so he said the key word, which is befriend. Befriend. It's it's part of who we are, right? And that that's the biggest one of the biggest energy drains, in my opinion, is not accepting and loving who we are. You know, if we're trying to hide, repress, and deny aspects of ourselves, it's just going to get louder and louder to get our attention. But if we can recognize that's part of me and, you know, I can move forward with it and actually befriend it, you know, it's got some good, some good message for us. So I'll stick with you on this. When you notice that you're activated and that your hyper achiever is present, what are some ways that you befriend it? And what are like some lessons that you have learned from your hyper achiever? For me, I think, and it's, that's a good question, it, it, it takes different forms at different stages of life and different endeavors okay so where i noticed the hyperachiever just the other day i was giving a presentation online and there was an episode where where i was interacting with some people and i recognized i could have handled something differently and so my my immediate go-to was you know, obviously I didn't do it right, should have done it better, should have known better, right, the whole way. And I, so I just listened to the voice going, okay, you know, gotcha, gotcha, thanks, I'll take that into consideration. And then actively having to work with it with myself of going, you know what, it is what it is, you, you handled it that certain way, we really don't know if it was the wrong way, right way, best way, whatever, it just, it, it is what it is. And in that moment, I took inventory like, okay, what would I do differently next time? How would I want it to go? What might feel better, you know? And it's a matter of just checking in, you know? And again, noticing, okay, not, not asking, you know, why do I have that thought? It's just, that's like saying, you know, why is that cloud shaped like an elephant? You know, it's like, we're, we're good. it just is, you know. Um, and one of the things that this helps me too is one of my coaches years ago used to say, everything that happens is perfect the way it happens. If it was meant to be another way, it would be another way. And so, you know, in this in interaction I'm referring to the other day, you know, it happened. It ain't going back in the barrel, you know, so it's like, Okay, it's either going to present itself and there's an opportunity to, to work with something on a further basis or just, you know, maybe I'm making something out of nothing and it didn't even land in a certain way that I'm worried about, you know. So sometimes it's just like paying attention to what's going on in the space and with the other people in the space, mm -hmm. you know, because how many times have we, you know, we've carried something like, oh my gosh, they're thinking X and we do have an opportunity to talk about it. And they're like, that never even occurred to me. Mm -hmm. you know? And we can recognize like, oh, it's coming from that saboteur because we're the expert of ourself, right? And, and our ego and the saboteurs, it knows how to jerk our chain. You know, if, if we're about 
you know, like you say, connection is really important for you. Well, I would imagine that sometimes the saboteur may set things up that it's going to, you know, annihilate any connection that you could have with somebody, right? That's how it gets your attention because it knows that's what's so important to you. Mm-hmm. So for me, knowing those connections that I have for myself and my clients have for themselves, when that voice pops up, it's like that's a clear indication that it's the saboteur at work because it knows us so well. And it's like the reality of connection going away, it's not going to happen. We're always connected in some way, shape, or form. And that's where that A for anticipate can be really helpful as well, where we, once we have the awareness and are and know that this might happen or that we're at, we're more likely to be activated in different situations we can then you can't control life we you and I both know that but there we can certainly have an idea like in this type of setting if i am presenting in front of a large audience i know that this potential saboteur is going to probably come you know show up show up to play here and you can be ready for that. And it's not taking you by surprise anymore with enough practice. And I'll say the, the other thing that I'll name is that you made an allusion to over time that's had different flavors and uh, it showed up in different ways. One of the reflections that I have there is that our nervous system over time expands and grows and the, our comfort zone in one time of our life will shift into another, it'll be just a completely different box at some other point in our life. And at least in my experience, it's not that the saboteur goes away. It's just that the goalpost has moved and we're, we're kind of just playing with it in a little bit of a different arena. And Mm -hmm. there's every time that we're reaching for that next thing, or we're just on the boundaries of what is familiar in our comfort zone right now, something is going to arise in us that uh, it might feel safer to not do anything, but you and I both know now it's it's actually a good indicator that that's probably where we should go. Like that's the next place to go is wherever the fear is is leading us or we feel like I don't want to go there. It's actually probably a good idea to take a step in that direction. Yeah, I, that's back to the hero's journey with Joseph Campbell. You know, the gold that we or treasure that we seek is in that deep, dark, scary ass cave in front of us, right? So... Um, but to the comfort zone piece, you know, and, and again, it's a conditioning and it's a mindset of knowing that, you know, if we're getting uncomfortable, it's like we can either give in to that impulse of wanting to fall back or, okay, this is about learning, growing and becoming more, you know, so I'll share a premise that I have is, you know, we live in an ever expanding universe. We are part of that ever-expanding universe. So for me, I believe that we are here to learn, grow, and expand, right? So if you have like a rubber band on your two fingers, right, and you pull it apart and it's like, okay, that's comfort, right? But if we have a goal and we want to grow, right, now we're feeling that pull and it could be a little uncomfortable and we might dig our heels in and it comes snapping back at us or we can kind of like, okay, let's, let's go and create a new comfort zone. And then a, a new comfort zone and then a new comfort zone, right? And I'm all for, you know, joy and bliss and comfort and warm and juicy and all that stuff. And there's going to be times where we got to do that climb, you know, in the freezing cold to get to that plateau, 
in, in um, uh, George Leonard's book Mastery, you know, he talks about loving the plateau. You know, you worked your ass off to get here. You know, take a break, higher achiever. You know, I mean, and that's what I have to remind myself of is like, you know, you get to enjoy this piece of it, right? So there is that. What are some daily practices you have around? There's there's one part of it that might be like celebrating the moment and having joy. And there's another where I'm drawn to purposeful, hard things that you're doing that are out of your comfort zone and allowing you to grow and expand. Like one, one for me would be cold showers. So uh, do you have any other daily practices that you find helpful? Yeah, I have a bunch. Um, as a matter of fact, cold showers is one of them. I've been doing that since February of 2013, every single day. Wow. And again, part of it, you know, that's important for people to understand is like, well, who would want to do that and why, and why do you keep doing it kind of a thing? For me, right, for the, the, the evidence that I've found, you know, and the benefits of it are a big one for me. Activates the vagal nervous system and, and, you know, improves our ability to fight off, you know, the boogeyman and so forth. So there's a reason. And, and, you know, it's like when I'm taking the nice warm shower, you know, and I'm about ready to turn on the cold, you know, this, do I want to do it? Hell no, man. You know, it's like, ugh. but it, I know the benefits that I'm going to experience from it. And I always feel more invigorated after I do it, you know, and I only stay in the cold for maybe about three minutes. Um, but that's enough for me. And, and so I've, I've come up with the evidence of why it's the thing to do. And then here's a little trick is when you do something that you're trying to maybe build a habit or a routine around is when you do it, tell yourself that's like me. Yeah. Right. And the more I do that, it's just, it's just what I do. You know, I'm the guy that takes cold showers every morning. Okay? I'm the guy that wakes up and exercises every morning, even though I don't feel like it. You know, nobody feels like it, but I know the benefits of it. You know, and it's the older person that I'm someday going to be is in my ear, in my head saying, dude, you got to do this so that we're not in aches and pains and poor health, you know, when we get into the future. Now, can we can really control that, you know, who knows, there's things that happen. However, I can, you know, tip the scale a little bit, right? So I'm going to do whatever I can in my favor. And so, go ahead. I was just going to say that I'll even, there's, yeah, there's one layer of it where you can say, I'm doing this for my really older future self. And I think there's another where, especially in the beginning with, things like meditation, working out, eating healthy, cold showers, where at first they, they both don't feel good in the moment. And, uh, and that there aren't, there isn't really a benefit that's happening afterwards. Like you're not going to get stronger after working out for one day or feel like you're more aware and in control of your mind after one day of meditation. But after a certain amount of time, it doesn't feel like it's this, deeply put off into the future action anymore, where I'm working out so that 30 years from now, I'll, I'll reap the benefit. 
it feels good in the moment in, in this kind of, I don't want to say a weird way, but especially right after a workout or after a good meal, I can really notice the difference between that versus if I go out for a heavier meal. But the question, so I just wanted to name that, but you mentioned this, this bit about reinforcing a habit through identity where you say something along the lines of, I am the type of person that works out, or I'm the type of person that takes cold showers because it's good for my nervous system, whatever it might be. Yeah. This brings me into affirmations and ask formations. And what are, what are each of those and, and how do you, how do you use them in your life? Great question. So <clears throat> I'm going to share another acronym with you that encompasses the affirmations and ask formations. And the acronym is image. I M A G E. Okay. So the I is what's my intention for this segment of my day? And to your to your point, to the word that you use, the identity, right? What's my identity that I want to tap into? What's the superhero that I want to access during this next segment of my day? So like when I get up and I work out, you know. What's my identity? What's my intention for this segment? Is, you know, I want to be that that guy that, you know, is in his 70s and 80s and everybody says, dude, you're like in amazing shape. You know, that's just my identity. And so that's the intention that I set for myself is like old guys rule, <laughs> you know, and I'm not that old, you know, but it's like that's, you know, I, I'm, I'm embracing that elder energy that sage elder energy that I, I, I'm always aspiring to. And that carries me through, that intention, that identity carries me through that segment of my day. Now, when it's time to jump onto a coaching call, I might say, you know what, I want to be curious. I want to be Socratic, right? So those types of things, that's the intention for that segment. And, you know, I might have seven of them throughout the day. I might have one throughout the day, but be intentional with the various segments of your day. That'll, that will help you not feel like you're sprinting a marathon. Because most people, they wake up, you know, and they make the mistake of checking their phone and recognizing they're behind on their work already and they're, you know, already in panic mode and, and you know, releasing cortisol and everything else. And they're a wreck, right? But if we're just segmenting our day with intention, we stay in our power. So that's the I. The M is for miracle or magic. Okay, so notice the miracles. Notice the magic that's showing up in your life. And it could be where somebody calls out of the blue and says, hey, I got your name from so-and-so. I understand you're a coach. Can, we're having this issue. And at the end of the call, they're a new client, right? That's, that's magic, right? Finding a dime in the parking lot at the store, that's magic, right? So notice all the magic in our life. Take inventory and, you know, whatever we focus on expands. So you'll start to see more and more magic unfolding in your life just by journaling around it and noticing it. The A is for affirmations and ask formations, right? So the affirmation is an I am statement, okay? So it's similar to the intentions, but it is different. So it might be, you know, if I'm... <clears throat> If I'm, 
you know, not feeling the mojo and I, I need more courage, I might say the affirmation, I am courageous. I am courageous. I am courageous. And guess what? The BS meter might go off. You know, dude, you're not courageous. You're curled up in a ball sucking your thumb in the corner, right? And it's like, okay, that didn't work. So let's do an ask formation. And so I'll ask myself, why am I courageous? What have I done in my life that's been courageous? And like Google, it goes out into the universe, into the ether, comes back with the evidence of why I am courageous. You know, I did all this stuff. I did this, I did this, I did this. I stepped into this. I was scared to death to do that. I tried it, I did it. You know, this overflow of courageousness envelops me, right? You can do that with whatever it needs to be. You know, resourceful, curious, whatever it is. Make it an ask formation. Uh, the G in image is gratitude. And we cannot feel confungled at the same time we are feeling grateful. Right? The quickest way to snap out of anything is to just start counting our blessings. Right? Even if like, okay, I'm above ground. That's <laughs> a good start. You know, um, all of my bodily functions and systems are working pretty okay. You know, I mean, we all know people that are challenged with certain things of that level. It's like I'm thankful at this stage right now that I'm not, that I'm blessed in that way. I'm thankful that I'm thankful for my clients. I'm thankful for my friendships and, and professional colleagues like yourself, Michael. I'm grateful for Zoom, you know, given when the pandemic hit and everything else. It's like, you know, amazing technology all around us. So gratitude, huge, you know, and I do that at least three times a day, morning, midday, and, and before I go to bed just always I try to always be in gratitude even when even when the shit hits the fan you know to me that's like okay gods you know you're bringing this to me for an opportunity it's not happening to me it's happening for me now it gets to happen through me and what's that need to look like so again I've just conditioned myself to you know everything that happens in my life is it's my life right so amor fati love your fate so I get to move forward with that no matter what happens. And I don't, you know, and there's times where I go, oh gosh darn, poor me, why me? For a moment, right? But then I remember this is happening to my benefit, not to my detriment. And I'll move forward from there. And, that, and that's gratitude. And then the E is expansion. Okay, how am I expanding? And what I mean by expanding is how am I living or honoring my virtues and values? What did I learn? How did I grow? How did I contribute? Who and how did I love? And I just make some notes to that. And that gives me a sense that that day I am growing, I'm expanding, I'm part of this universe. And so those five elements, I-M-A-G-E, I do every single day, except for the days that I miss it, which is very rarely, if ever, but I look at that at the end of the day. And I can look at that my day and say, you know what, day well lived, life well lived. And at the end of the week, I can look through it all. Week well lived, life well lived. And so it gives me the sense of progress and progress equals happiness. And all those daily routines and daily items of working out, reading, meditating, acknowledging, doing all that stuff, 
just adds to itself and that's the flourishing. Is there anything else to your journaling practice at the moment? Is it just going through the image, it's intention, miracle, magic, affirmation, gratitude, expansion? Is there anything else to it? Or if someone's getting started in a journaling practice, would, would you still point them to just use this image uh, acronym? Um, I, I would point to that if you want something even, well, with, with the journaling process, there's no wrong way to journal. You know, I mean, for some people that they, you know, they write pages and pages and pages and they're drawing and doodling and it's a process, right? It's just our way of processing what's going on within us and all around us. So again, there's no wrong way to do it. You know, you can Google all kinds of different things to, for prompts to do. But what I've done, because I've created a, a journal, um, and in my research of creating the journal, I looked at, you know, what are best journaling practices? You know, and I've got a whole, a, a, like a library of different journals that I bought and I've used and I've played with, and I scoured them and figured out what's the what are the core elements that every successful journaling process incorporates and I noticed that they all do those five elements right the intentional the mat noticing the magic the gratitude so it's not anything I've invented or created I just borrowed the best practices the brilliance and I happened to stumble onto the acronym image as a result of it Okay, there it is. <laughs> you know, it showed up. Um, but there is one thing that I just recently learned, and I think it's pretty cool. And it's if you draw like a tic-tac-toe, so you've got nine boxes. Going across the top, the first row is, or first column is uh, energy. The second column is work. And the third column is love. Right? Those are the three primary areas that we exist in. So that's going down. Then along the left, the first row is identity, which is similar to the intentions that I spoke about. The second row is virtue, right? What virtue do you need to carry out this identity of energy? So like for working out, you know, to get energy, one of my virtues is discipline. You know, I don't feel like, you know, working out at 4.30 in the morning, but guess what? I'm disciplined, right? So that's the virtue I want to pull out. And then the final is uh, behavior. You know, what am I actually going to do? How am I going to be to be more effective in energy, in work, or in love? Okay, so you can funnel it down to just those three boxes. And you can write, again, write as little or as much as you want in each of those boxes. I want to push back a little bit on two things. We've, we've spoken about these things before, but I would love for you to share with my listeners. So one, one thing that I can imagine becoming a challenge with, with gratitude, I mean, gratitude, of course, is a very effective and, and powerful, potent practice and really taking stock of not only the things that we have and, and who we are that we're grateful for, but also you, you mentioned really celebrating the challenges and the obstacles and the difficult things as being some sort of teacher in our life. And so one, one of the questions I have is around 
spiritual bypass. Mm -hmm. And if we are just so like life is great as it is, like, can that, it, it can sometimes maybe be a slippery slope where we are talking ourselves into like, everything's great. What like, if I'm perfect and whole as I am, then why do I need to do anything? So like the spiritual bypass, I'm going to put on one leg and on the other leg, I'd be curious to hear, you know, sometimes for me, I've already enforced and reinforced and continue to reinforce that I am a disciplined person and I'm the type of person that eats well, takes care of my body, works out. And sometimes I'm actually, you know, my body is uh, not up for that that day. And I, it might be best for me to, to rest or to have even more than a day period where it's like a week or so that um, decompressing, unplugging. I'd be curious to hear those are both ends of the extreme that come to mind for me, how you know when you're doing either of those things and, and what's helpful ways for you to identify them and to, yeah, what, like, what does it inform you to do from there? On, on the spiritual bypass side of it, if I'm getting what you're saying, you know, there's things that happen in one's life that pure and simple suck. You know, I mean, there, there's challenges that, you know, if we could wish it away, we, we certainly would. <clears throat> so it's not about just, um, you know, always being Pollyanna about something and, you know, or, you know, oh, great, somebody just, you know, crashed into my car. You know, life is, you know, I'm not saying that. It's like, you know, we get to feel the, the hardness and the, the yuckness of, of it. Um, and again, going back to the gap um, in the stimulus and the response, you know, right, the Cartesian reality of it is what's the meaning here, right? Somebody crashed into the car. Okay, what's, what's that mean? You know, it doesn't mean, you know, my life sucks, but I might start to go to, oh man, you know, huge inconvenience. Now I got to go find, you know, where am I going to get it fixed? And it's never going to be the same and da, 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 you know, and, and I catch my loops, right? And it's like, okay, how do I feel when I'm running that movie? And it feels kind of, ugh, right? You know, so I'm just going to then look at, you know, what else could this mean? Well, thank goodness I wasn't in the car when it got hit. Or, you know, so there's always other perspectives, right? It's, we can't control the situation or circumstance. We can always choose the most empowering perspective from which to look at it. So what happens when we're feeling funked out is we've narrowed in on, you know, just a couple meanings of a situation that don't feel real good. So let's broaden how we're seeing it. Okay. And it might take a while, you know, and it's not to say that we're not going to go there. We don't want to wallow in there. Mm -hmm. right? And we all know some people that wallow, you know, they've fallen down the well <laughs> And they're like, hey, help me, help me, help me, you know, and we go, okay, you know, here's a rope, let me help you. And they go, yeah, I don't like that color rope. Can you try a different rope? Mm -hmm. Or they, you know, well, come down here, you know, you'll see what I'm talking about. So we go down in the well with them for a little bit and they want us to help them decorate the well, you know, <laughs> it's like, no, you know, we're going to go back up here. So, 
we, we got to be mindful because sometimes the well can feel comfortable, right? It can become a pattern, you know, or, or habitual comfort zone for many people, you know, it's the way they do life. And it's like, we got to be careful of that because, you know, we, we, just as we need to maybe spin things in a positive way, right? It's, it's an alchemy way versus doing it in an awfulizing way. Right? It's either a downward spiral or an upward spiral. And again, it's our choice. You know, and so, you know, and it's to say, you know, I've, I've got a, a, a dear friend who lost his son. Um, you know, and that, that's a tough one for anybody. And he's, you know, very, you know, a man that's doing his work and taking care of himself and fully functioning. And, you know, that pain is never going to go away. Right. But he can still find ways to operate, ways to be thankful, ways to celebrate his son. You know, so I'm not saying to spiritually bypass it and not feel it. You know, we're we're feeling creatures and we're going to feel all of it. And on the other end, there's being the type of person who does X, but then you might be getting signals from your body that it's it's time to slow it down. It's so how do you how do you make the distinction between this is a gremlin telling me I just want to go back to sleep versus I actually could use some rest right now. Well, remember the gremlin's a liar. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and with that in this specific situation, I'm a big believer, especially the older that I get, that our body needs rest. It needs sleep. I used to be that ding dong, you know, I could operate on about four or five hours of sleep, or at least I thought. But the more research that I do around sleep, I recognize this body, this mind, brain, and all my systems need sleep. It needs deep sleep cycles. It needs REM cycles to integrate and rebuild and recharge so that I have more energy to serve and live a flourishing life. So based upon that awareness, I have a, a different way of listening to my body. You know, if my body says, you know what, you need a nap right now. And, you know, my calendar might be clear for the next hour. I will give myself the gift. I will give myself the grace of, you know what, I'm going to take a moment and I'm going to lay down Maybe take a nap, maybe do a meditation, you know, might start with a, a five minute meditation, might end up being a nap. <laughs> you know, it's like the, the body's going to know, right? Mm -hmm. And it'll, it'll go where it goes. I might do five minute, 10 minute meditation and like, whoa, that's, I feel rejuvenate. That's all I needed. Great. And I'll follow that. If I fall asleep, that was what was meant to be, right? So, um, again, it's being mindful, you know, if, if, you know, that day turns into a week, turns into a month of like, okay, you know, I'm starting to get out of shape for mm -hmm. what I'm wanting on most levels. Then it's like, oh, yeah, I got to pay attention to this, right? Impulsivity took over. Mm -hmm. Delay took over, right? So no, I'm no longer motivated to work out like I know I want to. So th again, I can go back to that equation and I can start to tweak and turn the knobs and hit the levers to get back the motivation I need to, 
to get into working out again. And, and truth be told, there's been times, you know, I've, I've been a competitive athlete and I've gotten injured and, you know, it's t you need rehab time and all that stuff and that can drift into, uh, you know, the, the expectancy of being able to get back in the shape that I want to be in is so far out there. It's like, uh, I don't have, you know, I'm making up. I don't, can't get there. So I got to find my mile, my shorter milestones to get myself back into the rhythm. Mm -hmm. Well, as we get towards the very back end of the interview, I'm finding myself curious. You, you've got a thriving, you already named it. You have a thriving coaching practice. Things seem good with your family. Life seems to be pretty good. What's the challenge that you feel most called to right now? Where, where do you feel unfinished or most gravitated towards? Hmm. Well, Michael, I'll tell you, I'm the muscle I'm looking to more fully develop is, is stepping into the deep, dark cave. Hmm. You know, I know to do it. I've done it. And it's, I'll be totally transparent with you and with the audience. Um, in my coaching practice, I've, I've got a, you know, a full practice, meaning like just about every day, well, every day I've got at least three coaching calls scheduled, if not 12. I mean, some days I'm just back to back to back. So it's great. I love it. And I'm at this stage of my life where I'm starting to recognize want to use my energy a bit differently and so I'm looking to form some more types of group coaching which I've tried in the past haven't been super successful I've been successful with it but not on the scale that I'd like to that's one aspect the other aspect is seeking out people that can afford a much higher ticket for individual coaching I'm talking, you know, like $100,000 a year worth of coaching. In my current identity, my gremlins, all that stuff, they're telling me, dude, nobody's going to pay you $100,000 for coaching. And yet I know other coaches that are getting that kind of money. Uh -huh. And truth be told, they're not any better than you and I. Mm. Right? Different, but nothing better. Okay. So... For me, it's stepping into having those types of conversations with people. Mm. Ooh, that that number feels very alive. What a that's a giant number. But uh, something something for me to journal on uh, later and and reflect on. Well, Matron, is there anything that we didn't bring into the conversation today that you would like to bring in now? Any maybe wishes for the audience or resources that you'd point people to really any anything at all yeah you know um one of the most frequently had conversations that i have people whether they end up hiring me or not is around their permission their purpose and their mission and there's a great model that you can look it's online if you go to um if you just google ikigai um, I, K I G A I, I believe, and it's a four, four circle Venn diagram. And in one circle, and, and the way that I remember it, this isn't 
the, the terminology, but the way I remember it is, what's your purpose? Meaning, what are you really, 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 really good at doing? Right? Probably better than most. Make a list. The, the next circle is passion. And what I mean by that is, what do you enjoy doing? Where do you get lost in time? What gives you energy? Make a list of those things. And you'll find that those two circles have an overlap. Of the overlap, notice what's most profitable or productive. And that's like the fourth bubble. Right? So where do you make a profit or where are you productive in your organization that people will pay you for and give you raises for? Make that list. So that what that does is that shortens the list of the two that we started with. And then the fourth P, they're all with a P for me, that's how I remembered, I forget what they say, but the fourth P is pull, meaning what does the world need more of, right? They don't need another house cleaner, right? They don't need another financial advisor. I can say that because I used to be a financial advisor, um, retired from that. You know, they don't need another coach, right? There's plenty, you swing a wet rag, you're going to hit 10 coaches, you know, everybody's a coach. So the world doesn't need another one, but the world does need something you do, right? So by recognizing those four bubbles and where that sweet spot is, I call that your zone of brilliance. That's what you want to find ways to step more into in the world. And if you want to learn more about it, reach out to me or, or Google the Ica guy and find ways to spend more and more time doing what you're meant to be doing on this big blue marble. Mm. Well, to connect with you, where would you point my listeners to? Website, social media, et cetera. Um, yeah, so social media, I'm mostly on LinkedIn. Uh, so it's just my name, Machen MacDonald, M-A-C. LinkedIn. I'm the only one that I know of. And then uh, our website where we've got some cool resources for free that you can download and kind of get a sense of, you know, the tools and things that we can do for you. And that's probrilliance.com, all one word, probrilliance.com. Well, I will link to both of those and every other resource that we mentioned, including Ikigai in the show notes. And Meechan, the final question that I ask all of my guests, the podcast is called Mike's Search for Meaning. And I want to know, in your words, what does it mean to live a meaningful life? For me, living a meaningful life, and I'll use the word again, it's to flourish. And to, to further define that, I all believe that we have a capability of what, we're, what we can do. And then there's our performance. And to the degree that the gap exists between what we're capable of doing and what we actually do is unhappiness. If we can close that gap, we can feel more happy. Happy people produce more. Happy people contribute more. So I'm all about raising the, those bars or matching those bars together so that we contribute to the greater good and that we all flourish. You're here. Well, I so appreciated you coming on the show and I appreciate our monthly conversations and the conversations that we co-create and 
and everything that we've done together. And I appreciate you as a, as a coach and a man. I've, uh, it's been a real pleasure getting to know you this past, I don't even know how long it's been, and uh, a dream come true to have you on my show. So thanks again for coming on. Thank you, Michael. I appreciate the opportunity. I appreciate you. And um, keep on keeping on, brother. You're doing great work. Thank you very much. And uh, to all the listeners, I hope that you have a good rest of your day, a good rest of your evening, whenever you're listening, and take good care. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to listen to Mike's Search for Meaning. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, share this episode with your friends, and leave a review. I look forward to seeing you next time, my friends. And until then, stay safe, stay well, and keep living with purpose. Peace.